So you want to read Tolkien? We're happy to have you with us. Join us as we work our way through the Silmarillion. I'm Caitlin. I'm Rachel. And I'm Emily. Let's dig into this week's reading. For Middle-earth. If I tried to pronounce every letter in this name, my tongue would fall out of my mouth. I mean, I am on my second giant glass of Prosecco right now. So... Sally-ho! That's what Into the West means. Let's go home. We're unqualified, but we have ideas. Welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. Yes. Episode 16. Yes. Yes, it is episode 16. We're doing the thing. Chapter 22 of The Ruin of Doriath. I'll give you three guesses what happens in this chapter. Yeah. <laughs> the first two don't count. Does Gondolin fall? Well. Yep, that's it. That's the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they might not guess everything that happens in this chapter, because I certainly didn't expect Baron and Luthien to come back. But anyway, That's we'll save that for later. Uh, just before we get into it, I wanted to do a quick announcement and a nice congratulations to our co-host here, Emmy, who this week has finished her master's degree. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. Yay! I'm drinking. I'm a real a adult now. Raising my beer bottle to you. I just took a rather large sip, too. <clears throat> that was nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll toast my, my Moscow mule and have a ginger attack in my mouth. Yeah, we got the really fancy ginger beer, so it tastes like ginger. Mm. So, congrats to you. I know you've been super busy, so I'm glad it's all, you know, pan it's off. It's been crazy. Well, hopefully there's money involved at some point going to you. Hopefully. Hopefully. Eventually. We did not discuss how we want to do this, as per usual. Yeah. I mean, Emmy, lately, like, you've gotten shafted into the quick sum up because I've written the characters. Um, but do you want to do characters? That's okay. Okay. Um, sure. I can do characters. Just let me know if none of my notes make sense. <laughs> That's a... It'll be fine. Um, because I think almost everybody... Maybe possibly everybody is someone we've met before. Um, so we have Hurin, who is the brother of Hur uh, and the father of Turin, because we like to rhyme. Um, and he was tortured by Morgoth for 28 years. And in this chapter, he is released and he wreaks havoc on basically everything. Um, we have Morwen, who's Hurin's wife, who was lost in all of the confusion of Glaurung's smoky nonsense and basically has wandered unknown forever. Runs into her at the beginning of this. Turgon is the Lord of Gondolin who was once upon a time friends with Hurin before Hurin was captured. Um, we have Thorandor who's the Lord of the Eagles of Manwë, um, the giant eagle. He, you know, Deus Ex Eagle pops up to deliver people. Uh, we have Mim, who's the petty dwarf who betrayed Turin in the last chapter. He is still a dick in this one. Mm. Um, Thingol is the elf lord of Doriath, who now is possessed, who's possessed by a Silmaril. Almost possessed by a Silmaril. I don't know where that sentence was going. He is in possession of a Silmaril and is obsessed with it. Um, it is sort of important to remember that he was one of the original elves and is the only elf who stayed behind in Middle-earth who has also seen Valinor, um, right? So he's, like, we're going all the way back to the two trees made of light 
Um, he was there for that. Melian is the Maya Lady of Doriath, right? Thingol's wife. Um, People still have, don't listen to her. They still don't listen to her. Um, and yeah, this is a fairly sad chapter for her. We have Baron and Luthien, who were our Disney princesses. They got the Silmaril for Morgath. Mor- oh my god. <laughs> I know my pronunciation game is never strong, but today is particularly bad. They got the Silmaril from Morgoth, um, and Baron died and came back to life. Luthien became a human so that they could be together, and they have been thus far very happy on their little island off the coast, and they had a child who is named Dior, not unlike the designer. He is the son of Baron and Luthia and the grandchild of Thingol and Melian, which means he is the heir to Doriath. Um, he is human, elf, and also a Maya, right? Because Melian is his grandmother. Uh, we have the sons of Feanor here. They are not important as individuals, um, and they're the only ones left alive at this point, if we're, you know, taking count. They swore a very, very serious oath to uh, protect and pursue all of the Silmarils, and that's basically what screwed over this entire book. Um, So they come into play in this chapter. And then we have a very important magical necklace, uh, which is called Nauglamir. Everybody fights over it in this one. It's the Necklace of the Dwarves, and it was made for Finrod uh, Felagund years ago, before the craftsmen of Nagrand and Belagost. And uh, it's the most famed works of all of the Elder Days, maybe more or less. It gets uh, given to Thingol, and he's like, I'm going to melt this down and make it into something else. So anyway, this is a very important piece of jewelry for this chapter. How'd I do, guys? Very good. I think that's it. So... Rachel, I'll I'll successfully read up our very quick sum up. (laughs) It's a a masterpiece here. Uh, Our quick (laughs) summary for this chapter is that uh, the Silmaril takes its toll on Thingol. And Baron, this is a useless sum up. I'm sorry. Caitlin, (laughs) I have a hard time judging you. (laughs) What? That's the important part. It's the Silmaril takes its toll on Thingol. Also, Baron and Luthien are back, and people fight over the fancy necklace, and everyone dies. You also, Hurin was released from his torture to stare out over the earth. I feel like that was the key point of the quick sum up you've left off, right? Like, he is the instigator of all of the shit that goes down in this chapter, right? Right, but if you're doing like a one line sum up, you know, if if people hadn't read the book at all, you wouldn't even think about Hurin. It would just be like, yeah, the Cimarron, blah, 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 fucks everything up, Thingol dies. You didn't even write Thingol dies here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you, if anyway. you want to take over writing the quick sum up, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> All right. So Silmaril's still evil. Thingol, not doing good with it. He dies. Doriath falls. Cheers. Cheers. All yours, Caitlin. So... We start off with Morgoth letting Huron free from Angband. Now that he's had to watch his children live out their doom, um, doom, and they and they're dead now. And he was a captive for twenty eight years, so that's fun for him now to be just released back into the world. Huron uh, tries to find some humans. I think it was in Hinlath. 
I may have just made up those noises I just made. Him laugh? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Look, we've been ignoring geography this whole time. Yeah, that's fair. It's not don't starting to worry about, about it. it. Right. So Hiran tries to find some humans, but because he was just released from Angband with some orcs and stuff, they all just kind of ignore him and pretend he's not there. Smartest decision anyone's he ever looks made like in shit. this book. Yeah, he, he does also look like shit. After 28 years on a chair, you would look like shit. Right? Yeah. I really thought, and given that he was like so heroic before he was tied down to this chair, I was seriously judging all of the people who were like, you look gross, get away from me. Yeah. And they provided no help. I just... <sighs> I mean, it is said that he's kind of been infected by Morgoth, since he has seen through Morgoth's eyes. Morgoth can now see through his eyes or or something to that effect. So that's important to keep in mind. His doom is still following him. Um, so from there, he tries to find his way back to Gondolin, which, if you'll recall, him and his brother Hjor spent a year or two there when they were young. Um, and he had sort of a friendship with Turgon. But he's unable to find the way back. And although Thorondor... Thorondor? I hate that name. Uh, sees Huron sort of near Gondolin and talks to Turgon about whether or not he should bring him in. Turgon says no, um, because they are aware about the the Morgoth thing. And then afterwards, Turgon does feel some regret about that and then sends Thorondor after him, but Turgon, but uh, Thorondor can't find him. So... He, Huron does not make it back to Gondolin. And, I don't know, Turgon makes some interesting, shitty decisions about keeping Gondolin secret. I think that was kind of shitty of him. So yeah. within sort of the area of Gondolin, uh, Huron yells out to Turgon in despair. And because Morgoth can hear him or see him or whatever it is, it, Morgoth now knows sort of approximately where Gondolin is, which is more, much more than he had on that previously. I mean, yeah. And I was like, why did you do that, Hurin? But then I thought about it and he was tied to a chair for 28 years. And now his family, who he has watched suffer, won't let him into his house. Yeah, so and he is... All he did was, like, yell at him from a distance. It could have been worse. And Huron and Huron are the reason that Turgon was able to escape from... Was that the Battle of Unnumbered Tears? Or was it the... Yeah. It yeah. was. Um, you know, they... Uh, near near Nath. So many battles. Arnoyad. I just made up sounds there, too. That's... Ar Whatever Ar it yeah. is. Ar Arnoyad. That's how we do. Yeah. I just think it's so interesting. So I noted down what he said in that moment where they, you know, basically held down the fort while Turgon got away. Mm -hmm. And it was like, go go now, Lord, while time is. For, for in you lives the last hope of the Eldar. And while Gondolin stands, Morgoth shall still know fear in his heart. And then, like, after all this suffering and he sees all the things going down, like, he pretty much tries to one way or the other tell Morgoth exactly where this place is. Like, if he, you know... Whether he got in or just yelling at it, he's still doing something. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Is he aware, though, that Morgoth... I guess he is aware that Morgoth can see what he sees. 
I mean, at least he should be. Like he watched, he watched for he twenty years. Should be, but years. I don't know if they make that clear. Remember yeah. how in the last episode we kept talking about how if you know you're cursed, you should just go live like a hermit. This is true. Yeah, that's this true. This dude spent twenty eight years, and I know it sucks, but my dude, stop going to all the important places. That's fair. Anyway, that's fair. More on that in the rest of this episode. <laughs> so yeah, Morgoth knows where Gondolin is, sort of, and. Turin is still sort of wandering around, and eventually he hears the voice of Mormon, his wife, in a dream, and is sort of able to follow it when he's awake. And so he heads for the river area where, you know, where Glaurung died, and Neonora threw herself into the river and died on a rock. And then some people rose up that stone and made the big memorial to Neonora and... Uh, Turin in the last chapter. So he heads there and he finds Morwen there and they're reunited, but it's not, it's not a happy thing. They both sort of there and I actually, this bit was really sad, but I liked it because it's the only time that we really see two people who are given the chance to actually mourn for their lost loved ones. That's true. They kind of skip over that. And they have a really small exchange they say like three words to each or three different sentences to each other, including Morwen's, um well, he she says, You come at last. I have waited too long. And then he said, It was a dark road. I have come as I could. And then she says, But you are too late. They are lost. And I just think that's really sad. It is. It was really sad. And it, again, sad about losing their children and not about Something big that you can't really comprehend, like like the fall of a kingdom or whatever, you know? This is just them together and wanting mm-hmm. their kids. It's, it's, it's one of the few very close uh, human moments we get. Yeah. So then they sort of stay together holding hands throughout the night and Warren passes away throughout the night. So then Huron wakes up the next day and carves uh, a grave for her on the same stone that was made for their children and then he wanders on i will say this for Huron: at least he's not he's not giving into that death of grief that everybody else in this book likes to give into it's because he's a dude (laughs) that's 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 yeah i guess but we do see some dudes don't we maybe not (laughs) nope yeah i can't think of a single one (laughs) that's unfortunate there's some toxic masculinity going on here. Men don't have real emotions. They can grin and bear it. Yeah. Anyways, so Huron heads to Nargothrond, kind of following in his son's footsteps. And there he finds one alive being, and it turns out to be Mim, who is there. Who we hate. I mean, him and the petty dwarves did uh, carve out the tunnels that eventually formed Nargothrond. So I can see where maybe he thought he had a right to some of it, but he came upon the wrong person, the father of the kid he 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 uh betrayed, and Huron just uh stabs him. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Mim was like begging for his life too, and Huron was like, "Nope, dead." So I'm then, fair enough. Yeah, no, yep. yeah, no. Huron's got some so. shit going on. So Huron, uh. Spends a couple days looking through all the treasure, and he takes one thing out of there, 
and heads to Doriath, continuing to retrace his son's footsteps. Um, once there, Thingol welcomes him into Metagroth, and so the necklace that he took from where just where Nargothrond turns out to be that magic one we were speak, speaking of earlier. I did not write its name down here. The then, it's just the necklace of the dwarves or the Nauglamir. The Nauglamir. 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 He sort of throws that down in front of Thingol's feet and calls him out for how he treats his human guests. Being that, like, Baron came and then he was sent after a Silmaril and Turin stayed with him for a while and he was sort of sent to his death. Or so it seemed to his, from his point of view. You know, that's not quite how the thing with Turin worked. And then Melian talks some sense into him. Into Huron, not, not Thingle. Sense cannot be talked into Thingle. Um, <laughs> Truer words. <laughs> yeah. And she sort of calls out the curse that he knows about, or may or may not know about, and, you know, says that he is seeth through Morgoth's eyes, willing or unwilling, and so Morgoth can seeth... No, wait. Let me say that line again. Morgoth hath bewitched thee, for he that seeth through Morgoth's eyes... Willing or unwilling, seeth all things crooked. So, sort of says that he's uh, seeing the evil in everything, where or where not, where they're... Unlike rose-colored glasses, it's whatever the opposite of rose-colored yeah. glasses was. In a way, it might kind of be like a, a fantasy PTSD, you know, that after everything that he's been through, he's just seeing everything evil. Definitely a possibility. So then he gives the necklace to Thingle anyways, in a nicer way, and tells him that it's the Neglamir and that the dwarves made it for Finrod. Um, and the book sort of makes special attention, I suppose, to the fact that it was a dwarf-elf friendship necklace. More. Back when they did that sort yeah. of thing. And then Claire's closed, and it was so, it was got difficult, and you know. No? I thought that was funny. All right, that's fair. Yes, sorry, I... Zoned out for a half a second there. <laughs> uh-huh. So, then Hearn just leaves. No one talks to him. And no one ever sees him again. So I guess he took our advice. A little too late. Well, I yeah. thought I thought it said that Hurin threw himself into the Western Sea. But maybe not. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah, I, I think he it. does. I, it, is that him? Yeah, that's... Yeah, I think he does. I thought he threw himself into the sea. After he handed over the fancy necklace. I don't know why I'm flipping through my book like I'm somehow going to magically stumble upon this page. None sought to withstand his going, nor did any know whither he went. But it is said that Huron would not live thereafter, being bereft of all purpose and desire, and cast himself at last into the Western Sea. And so ended the mightiest of the warriors of mortal men. Yes! Right. I do remember things. I just remember him leaving and nobody wanted to talk to him. So he pulled at the awakening. Yeah. Yes, he did but pull the awakening. He go back to where the rest of his family died and cast himself into the river there. That that's just that would have been better symmetry. If this were a movie, that's what would have happened. That's probably true. I don't know, speaking of PTSD, maybe he thinks he's unworthy of of what? His incesty children? Yep, exactly. No, <laughs> but that like he's kind of the cause of all of their suffering yeah, and That's fair. That's fair. Um, so then Thingle has this friendship necklace and thinks to himself, I'm gonna put a Silmaril in this. 
wear it around <laughs> and look amazing. And that is so, literally what it says in the book. <laughs> and so since the necklace was made by dwarves, he gets some to, I guess, customize the necklace so that it'll fit a Silmaril. They work on it and are, of course, enchanted by this shiny, shiny rock that is the Silmaril. And once they're done and Thingle is like, my necklace, please, they're like, no, we made this necklace or dwarves made this necklace. Um, somebody stole it from Nargothrond. We think it's rightfully ours. Uh, being, of course, that they just want the Silmaril because the Silmaril is evil. Everyone does want the Silmaril. Or at least the doom on the Silmaril is evil. I, I don't really know how that works, because the Silmarils are technically holy. And if you're a good person, they don't really do anything bad to you. Anyways, but, um, Fingal was kind of arrogant and called them bad names and said he wouldn't pay them. And then they killed Thingol. And it's, it was almost as anticlimactic as Feanor's death. Because <laughs> it was literally just in his own basement, some dwarves stabbed him. And then they ran away. That's a bad day. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm continually impressed by everybody who dies without dying in a big battle. You know, because there is a lot of opportunity to die in battle in this book. That's true. That said, stabbed over a necklace and a shiny rock is also kind of the theme. That's true. That's true. Dying for a Silmaril. A lot of people do that. A lot of people do that in this chapter, actually. But to say goodbye to the king of the Sindar, here's a line from the book. Uh, so died in the deep places of Menagroth, Elway Singolo, king of Doriath, who alone of all the children of Iluvatar was joined with one of the Ainur, and, who, and he who alone of the forsaken elves had seen the light of the trees of Valinor with his last sight gazed upon the Silmaril. And there passes Thingol. Yeah. Because he was like the last of the original three who first went to Valinor, right? Yeah. So it was Finway, Elway, shit. And the one and who Olway. stayed. Olway? <laughs> that was like a lot of chapters ago. Um, and so Elway being Thingol, the king of the Sindar. Finway being the king of the Noldor. And Olway being the one at Elqualande who got yeah. killed at the thing that started this whole mess. No, no. Wouldn't. Did he? No, no, no. Those are Teleri. Teleri are sort of part of the Sindar. Um, no, it wasn't. There, uh, Olway, or if we're remembering the name wrong, somebody is the one who was like particular friends with the Valar, and they just sort of stayed on their mountain and didn't get involved in any of this at all. No, he was. Olway was Lord of the Teleri. Okay, then we're remembering the name wrong. Huh. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just lost now. We've thrown down so many names. Yeah. But then who... No, always is... Yeah. Always didn't... Wasn't one of the... Always um, Thingol's brother. I thought he also went. I thought... Mm -mm. Oh my god, I'm trying to go back to like the very beginning of this book. <laughs> but what is the other asshole's name? <laughs> it just keeps giving me Finway and Always, And I'm like, well, what about the other one? I have a note from a very long time ago that said so many men and shiny rocks, and here we are. Ingwe. 
Found oh, it. Oh, Ingwei. Ingwei. There it is. Who is. What is the name of his people? The Vanyar. Those yeah. are the elves who didn't okay. get involved. Right. Well, we don't like them anyway. They're boring. I, I guess will edit that I guess to make us seem slightly <laughs> smarter. <laughs> and then, yeah, Owe is Thingol's brother. Yeah. I thought he also had gone, but maybe not. No. It I was because, remember, the Teleri got all split up because Thingol yeah. and Melian were well, lost Thingol got held behind, but just in the first bringing of people to Valinor. He was in the first bringing, but, okay. or actually, no, he wasn't. The Teleri got left behind for a while. Um, and made their own boats or whatever. But remember, mm-hmm. Thingol or Elway, Finway, and Ingway, they went by themselves with whatever Valar discovered them. Orome? Yeah, Orome. Just to see what Valinor was like. And then the three of them came back. Yeah, that's what I was trying to remember, who those three were. Anyways, but flashback yeah. to 11 episodes ago or whatever. Chapter three. Just literally chapter three. <laughs> oh, Wow. So where the heck were we in our sum up here? Well, if you come all the way back to chapter 22, 23. No, I can't even remember where we are. Chapter 22. All right. So yes, anyway. the passing of Thingol. But yes, he was like basically the oldest elf dude on Middle Earth, at least. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been. Um, so the dwarves who killed him, very anticlimactically for one of the first elves ever, they run the heck out of Doriath. Elves pursue, take back the Silmaril, and kill all but two of those dwarves. Those two make it back to their home and tell stories about what happened and kind of lie, obviously, um, so that everybody there thinks that Thingle just didn't want to pay them. And now there's um, a big elf dwarf parting of the ways and nobody's friends. Back in Doriath, Melian is... I don't know if she's sad, but she's not happy. She doesn't talk to anybody, and she just sort of... The girdle drops. She gives some instructions to our good friend Mablung from last chapter to and let Baron and Luthien know what's happened. And then she just leaves, goes back to Valinor, and uh, spends time in Lorien, which uh, is where she... I think she was originally a Maya of, of Lorien, the Valar Lorien. It's very confusing when... The Valar and where that Valar live are named the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, she kind of does the fade thing. And it doesn't like fade, fade, but... She's done with Middle-earth since her husband is dead and her daughter is mortal. She's like, well, which I actually think is pretty shitty because she's got grandkids and great-grandkids. And as we're going to see, they could have used her help. But (laughs) whatever, it's fine. Yeah. So the two dwarves that made it home, they sort of rallied the dwarves. And they fight their way back into Doriath and Menegroth and win in a big battle. That's sort of elves versus dwarves. Um, Last man standing. I was trying to make a joke there, but I couldn't remember anything. So it didn't work. (laughs) And then Mablung dies, heroically defending the treasury. Which seems real dumb to me, but you do you, Mablung. Yeah, to me too. And the dwarves take back the Silmaril. There's a lot of back and forth with this Silmaril. It's going to have an identity crisis soon. So by this time, word that, you know, uh, word has reached Baron and Luthien that Thingol's dead. And that all this shit has happened. And they live in Osirian, where the green elves live. Who 
we don't really see that much or hear about that much, but that's where they are. And so Baron and I'll go over all their kids actually. So they have Baron and Luthien have a son named Dior, and Dior is married to Nimloth, and they have three kids whose names are Alright, their names are Elired, sure, Elurin, and they have a daughter named Elwing, which is actually one of my favorite names in this whole book. I really like the name Elwing. But moving on. So then Baron and Dior and a bunch of the Green Elves all team up and head for Menegroth and meet up with the big dwarf host leaving it and kill them all and take back the Silmaril. I'm imagining like playing the the like rocks covering a or cups covering a rock game. <laughs> Where's the Silmaril now? And which must be strange for Baron, who probably never wanted to see that thing again in his life. Yeah. But he takes it home to Luthien, and she wears it. And Dior and his family move into Menegroth and rule there now. Yeah, Dior is now king. Has anybody noticed that people just seem to become king when they go and live in other people's houses? I mean, to be fair, it's like his grandpa's house. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. he, he, but just he just sort doesn't of, know anybody there. He just to sort of move in and be like, yo, I'm king now. Am I human? Am I elf? Is my wife human or elf? I don't know. Am I spirit? Whatever. No one knows. So then later on, somebody delivers a package with a Silmaril in it. And through receiving this package, Dior's like, oh shit, my parents must be dead. <laughs> so then he starts wearing the Silmaril. I presume. Well, anyways, he's got he's got the Silmaril. And then the sons of Feanor, hearing that it, the Silmaril is no longer with Luthien, who for some reason they wouldn't have touched. I don't know if that's like sexism or if Baron and Luthien just sort of had a lot of respect for, you know, for everything that they did and for originally getting the Silmaril and basically like defeating Sauron so much that we've never seen him again, you know, grounded for eternity, I guess. Um. Anyway, so they wouldn't take it from them, but... They're cool taking it from their son. So they attack men. Oh, no, no, no. Wait. They do send a message first saying like, hey, we're the sons of Feanor. Give it to me. Give us a rock. And yours says no. And honestly, I think they're kind of both in the wrong here because Dior must know that there's a curse and there's a doom. And like, why wouldn't he just be like, here, fine, take it. Because it's a Silmaril, and I'm sure it's clawed its way into his head already. Yeah, I guess, but... Anyways, so then the seven sons of Feanor, including Maedros, attack Menegroth and kill a bunch of elves. And uh, Caligorm, the one that we super don't like, who has previously had dealings with Baron and Luthien and doesn't like them, uh, steals Dior's two sons and leaves them to starve in the forest. Majus tries to find them, but doesn't, and they're never seen again. Elwing uh, escapes with the Silmaril and a couple of the other Sindar elves, um, and they go to leave, live by the sea, I think, at the Havens? They go to live by the sea. Yep, the, the mouths of the river Syrian. And where, everybody uh, else Kyrdenes. dies. Well, the, I think they kill all the rest of the elves that live in Menegroth, because... And this is known as the second kinslaying. Because the mm -hmm. sons of Feanor, I guess they got a taste for it now. Yep. But they, some of them do die for the first time. This is true. We've killed off some sons all of Feanor. All of the seas. We don't have to keep track of them anymore because yeah. we kill all of Caligorm, Corifid, and Carinthir. 
They are all dead. And I'm thankful, because they were assholes. And also, their names sounded very similar. Yes. And that's pretty much that. Um, we will return to Elwing later. <laughs> we have some more places to run. So, Thingle's dead. Melian's gone. Oh, and we're now um, two down, one to go for the big uh, strongholds. Yep. And and we've sown the seeds of that one. Mm-hmm. Freaking Huron. Yeah, I was a little bit more sympathetic to him while reading, but now that you pointed out that he's kind of got the same thing going on as Turin, I'm much less sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Especially since he had to watch all that play out. You'd think he right? would have uh, learned a lesson or two. Like, especially after then he, you know, found Morwen and then she died. Like, just be done. Yeah, that was sad. It is it's, It is really sad. He had to go lead to, you know, hatred between two races and also the run of a whole land, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to see that this is probably when the elves and the dwarves first really fell out with each other. And how we know that that carries on for quite some time. Meaning, like, thousands of years. Forever. Yeah. (laughs) As far as I can remember in the books, we didn't really hear about elves and dwarves being friends other than that one instance. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a couple of people, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just those little characters. Um, anything else? I don't think so. I think. I don't think so. It's just a lot of sadness and dying and Silmarils going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Or Silmaril yeah. going back and forth. Yeah, I think there's... Uh, I, I do like how all of this bad stuff is happening and Morgoth has nothing to do with it. I mean, technically he does, but... But, I mean, like, okay, he let Huron out into the world, sure, but most of this happened just because people wanted the Silmaril. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's the Silmaril causing all the problems, not yeah, not necessarily Morgoth himself. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of makes me think of of Glowering in the last chapter. Like you're you're a dragon who can set people on fire, but no, instead you're gonna work them around to make them ruin their own lives. Yeah, and like, well, Morgoth didn't even want this Silmaril out there. He would have he would have rather, you know, Baron and Luthien not steal it from him. But now that it's out there, it's literally doing all his dirty work for him. Yep. So that's interesting. These last few chapters have all happened timeline-wise in very quick succession. Versus some of the ones before that where it'd be like, you'd have two chapters right next to each other, and then 25 years would pass. I was going to say like 300 years, but... (laughs) Well, there's that too. If If we go back to chapter three, which we just visited, yeah. Yeah. A few hundred years could pass between chapters. So, yeah, everything's coming I don't know, to a I head. feel like having them all occur within the same period of time makes me feel like the story is moving faster. But I think it's just that I've gotten so used to how incredibly slow the first part of this book was. Well, also, like, we just read the longest chapter in the book. Mm-hmm. And now we're in back to, like, the short, almost sum-up chapters are... Mm-hmm. Not quite some up to you know what I mean, and so that, that yeah it, they feel a lot different than the Turin, the Turin chapter, Turin Turambar, something something, yeah I don't even remember what that chapter is called, it's of Turin Turambar, 
But isn't there like something else? Oh, maybe at the beginning. Nope, it's literally just of Turin Turinbar. Oh. Oh, you know what? That sucks because it, they get to be all of the and the fall of Doriath. And then the next one is like, and the whatever of Gondolin. But Nargothrond? Nope. Just Turin. The worst. Nobody even likes Turin. I don't know if he was the worst, but he was pretty bad. We've got a lot of people competing for worst hero. That's true. He was pretty bad, though. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. And with that, I think we're done. I think, I think so. so. Let's sign if off. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. You can email us where you want to read Tolkien at gmail.com or we're at to read Tolkien on Twitter. And uh, homework for next week is chapter 23 of the of tour and the fall of gondolin um spoiler alert yeah something something crazy might happen in that chapter i don't know which is the second last chapter of the quintus silmarillion whoa so we are moving along quite fast as we just sort of talked about yep don't forget to rate us especially if you like us right if you want to leave us a review you can it's cool or just click a star rating. That's easier. It's super easy. I mean, just don't click one star. We might cry a little, but... So that's been our awkward <laughs> thing. And now we're going to say goodbye awkwardly. So I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. See you all next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. What did I write for right. the next episode? <laughs> Good question. I'm going to go judge it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. We're going to... We'll get there. We'll get there. That was a lot better of a <laughs> summary. I'm just saying.